chapter 5, so if you brought your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. James 5, and today we're going to be closing out our study here in the book of James. Um, I've said this week in and week out, but I've enjoyed this study series. I've enjoyed going through the book of James, one of my favorite books in all the Bible. And uh, today we're closing it out in chapter 5. And it's interesting, whenever I'm reading the end of a a book of the Bible, and specifically a letter that was written, it's interesting to see how it closes out. This is how, this is how James will end his letter here today. And we're going to start in verse 7. Uh, before, I, before we start and we dive in, I do want to mention one thing, a little quick, quick building update just for the church. Uh, first off, how many of you are excited for the building, right? It's on the horizon. It's, it's right we're believing God to just continue to open the doors. But uh, what I wanted to mention to you today is we're, we're currently working on site plans for the building. If you're new and, and you, don't, you don't know, uh, the church has property right next to Holt Park off of Lounge Road, right there on North Park Street, Business 36. Really, really beautiful spot that the church has over there. And we're looking to build a building. We're in the middle of a building project right now. Right now, church, we are getting the site, the finalized site plans developed. That's where we're at right now. As soon as we have those site plans developed, we're going to be able to share those with you so you'll be able to see the actual layout of what the church is going to look like, uh, which is I'm really excited to do. We can, you can see, okay, here's where the lobby's going to be. This is how you're going to walk in. You know, the sanctuary will be over here. Kids' rooms will be over here. You know, where everything is going to be. And then we will take that to the city and um, let the city of Britain do their work on it. And we're believing that the approval will come, right? That we'll have the favor on it. And then from there, we'll move forward on stages and getting this, getting this building built. So uh, I wanted to, just before we even dive into the message today, I felt led this weekend to just, as a church body, to pray over this building project right now. Can we do that real quick? And just pray that the Lord would just continue to have his hand on this. So let's just be united, church, this morning as we just lift this up to the Lord. So Father God... We're so grateful for the opportunity that we have, Lord, to, to be able to take our church and, and actually have a, have a church building, Father, that we can gather together week in and week out. Lord, we just pray for your continued guidance throughout this process uh, as we continue to move forward, Lord, that you would open the doors that you want us to walk through. We just seek your wisdom in all of this, Father. God, we can't wait. We believe that this, this place is going to be a lighthouse for this community. We believe that Father, this is going to be a place where anybody and everybody can come and freely worship the living God. Father, I'm so excited for this, Lord. I just continue to pray that your spirit would be on this. You would continue to lead us in the direction you want us to go throughout this process. We praise you. We honor you. It's in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Now, how many of you know we're excited for a building, but the church isn't a building? Amen. Right? We're excited because necessary to facilitate, right? But the church isn't a building. And so you are the church. We are the church. So we take the church with us wherever we're at. Amen. You can have church in your garage on Monday. Did you know that? Yeah. All right. James chapter five, we're going to start in verse, verse seven. This is what it says. Be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing 
at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be your yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. I love this right here. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Amen. Let's pray here one more time here this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we just, we're so honored to be able to gather in your presence here this morning. We're so grateful for who you are. I pray that, Father, as we just dig into your word here this morning, that our hearts would be open to receive it, Lord, that you would speak right to us. If, you, if, if the Holy Spirit needs to convict us here this morning of anything that the Holy Spirit would convict, some, some of us in here need hope, Father, need encouragement, that we'd be brought hope and encouragement through your word here this morning. Thank you for your words. Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 The other, actually, this was yesterday. Um, I was, uh, me and Hadley and the kids were all uh, loaded up in the car, family of five, almost a family of six. Uh, we're, we're all loaded up and we're driving down the road and, uh, and, and I realized, you know, oh, we need to get our inspection done on the car. And uh, we were, we were kind of out. It was kind of past it. So we dropped the ball. Anyways, <clears throat> we drive into take five because it's right there. And we're like, oh, you know, take five. I think we can all just sit in the car and we can pull in and then, you know, we won't have to get all the kids out or anything like that. The, the, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, while we're here, let's go and get the oil changed and you just, just do the whole thing. So we pull up and, uh, and, and we're sitting in line for a bit. We get a little bit closer and one of the gentlemen, they come walking out, one of the mechanics, and he says, sir, um, I'm going to need to do a brake check really quick. So would you mind stepping out? You know, won't, won't take long. So I'm like, okay. So we get all the kids out. We're, they got all their toys and stuff. And we're kind of, you know, they're, they're begging for the toys and, and the books that get left in the car. I need that frozen book, you know? And I'm like, no, it's, it's okay. Leave it there. No, I'm going to take it with me. And so we get them all out of the car. And they're kind of, you know, kicking and screaming a little bit as it is. And they, they're standing in the grass just off to the side. And we're just kind of standing there. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to drive around the parking lot a little bit. Maybe check the you know, the hazards, the lights, all this and that, and make sure everything's working properly. And um, the guy takes off, he drives, he leaves the parking lot. And I'm like, oh man, this might take a little longer than I thought. So we're just kind of standing there in the middle of this little field slash, you know, right off this major roadway. And we're kind of like, well, what do we do? Take five. I don't think there's like a walk, you know, an entrance you can go in. And, and one of the other guys comes around, he goes, no, we're going to take you guys into the office. So we're going to go over here. 
So I'm like, okay, you know, we walk around, we make our way over to this, uh, this office. I open the door, and as soon as I open the door, it's like two feet in front of me, and there's a wall. So I'm like, okay. And then we turn this way, and about six feet that way, there's another wall. And I'm like, okay. We walk in, and we sit down, and there's like a computer screen and everything. there. There's like a little, like tiny, tiny little office. And I turn back around. The whole family's in there, and the door just, boom, shuts. And I'm telling you, it's like a, it's like a shoebox of a little, little room there. And, you know, I got to be honest, like the kids were pretty good, but it took a long time. It was taking a long And, and there's these little windows they kept looking out. They started out really good, and then they all started getting pretty, uh, you know, interested, right? They're like, oh, what is this? And, you know, before I know it, Sailor, she's crawling on top of the desk. She's trying to pop the bubbles on the screensaver of the... <laughs> computer and and Judah's climbing on my back and I'm wearing this shirt that's got like buttons on it like this like a pearl snap and and the guy walks in and right when he walks in Judah takes my shirt and goes rips it open and 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 I'm like and then he says just a little longer and walks out and I'm like man this you know I mean it's just he's hanging off me like swinging like a monkey you know hopping around and they just start going wild, all of them. It's too tight of a space for too long. Eventually, uh, they come in and tell us, okay, okay, we're done. And my hat that was on is under the desk now. I'm like beat red in the face because I've just been, you know, trying to keep the kids together. They're happy. But how many of you know mom and dad were getting a little bit impatient? Okay, just a little bit. We were like, come on, any, any day now, right? Uh, nobody really likes to wait. Am I right? Nobody, do, do you, I mean, we really don't like to wait for anything, right? I mean, when we hear the word patience, I mean, someone's, you, you remember as a kid, what did your parents tell you? Be patient, right? Be patient. When I tell my kids that today, it's like echoing from my past. I remember my mom, you've got to be patient. You've got to calm down. You've got to be patient. I'm like, I'm just echoing what my parents told me, but it's true, right? especially in the world we live in today, because the world we live in today, it's all about this instant gratification. It's like, you know, now, like right now, I don't want to wait for anything. You know, fast food restaurants literally like hire extra people to stand out in the line to make it go even faster. Because it's like, Chick-fil-A is like, look, we got to make this line move as quick as possible. People don't want to wait. We don't want to wait, Right. It's just nature. It's just, it's normal, right? And we've, we've kind of, like I said, in the culture today, it's that instant gratification. I want it now. Amazon Prime. Like, you can order something, and it might show up that night at your doorstep without you even having to leave the house or do anything, right? If not the next day. So it's just this culture of, you know, we, we don't really want to wait. We don't like the word patience, but what does James start this whole thing off with? The word, I actually put it in bold up here, you know, every time it's mentioned, because he kicks this whole thing off. He's talking about patience and suffering. And time and time and time again, he's telling us patient, to be patient. What does he say? Be patient, therefore, brothers, until when? The coming of the Lord. What you'll see when you read this is oftentimes, as he's saying, be patient, he's, he's referring to as well the coming of the Lord. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. He's, he's talking about the second coming of Jesus. How many of you know that Jesus is coming again? 
It's the second coming of Christ, the imminent return of Christ, that at any moment, Jesus could return. At any moment. He says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. And he goes on and talks about a farmer. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. How many of you are your farmers in here? So you're like, yeah. How many of you are gardeners in here? Gardeners? You plant? So you know the process. If you're going to plant something, it takes patience right? And it takes work. There's a lot of work on the front end. You've got to do a lot of research before you go out and you plant, before you till the soil. You've got to be in right season. You've got to have the right soil conditions. Then you've got to actually go out there and do the work of tilling. And, and that's hard work and it takes time. Then you've got to plant the seed. And then all of that passes. The seed is planted. It's backfilled. It's covered up. And then it's, you've got to wait. This is the exact same thing. This is what farmers do. This is what James is trying to tell us. Like a farmer has to wait. He waits for the precious fruits of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. And and I felt the Lord was just ministering this, speaking this to my life all week as I was just asking God, God, how, how, how do we work on patience? How do we, how do we work on patience in our life? And what does a farmer have when he's planting the seed? He has vision for the harvest. The farmer knows that when I do this work and when I plant this seed, I'm trusting that the rain is going to come and it's going to water. The water is going to go into the ground. It's going to saturate this seed and that's going to produce a harvest. And I felt the Lord was just speaking this to me this week is that when you're going through a season of drought, Maybe some of you are in here today and you are. Maybe you're going through a difficult storm or season in your life where you're experiencing a bit of a drought time. And like a farmer, you're kind of in this this patience time right now. You're having to wait. You're having to wait. It's a waiting season. But I felt that God was saying, get vision for the harvest. You got to get vision for the rain. See, you can't control the rain. (laughs) Only God can control the rain. So, so what do we have to do is we have to get vision for what only God can do is ultimately I plant the seed and God is the one who brings the increase. God is the one who waters the seed. And so to, in order for us to have the stamina, to have the strength, it's trust and dependency that God, our father will provide the rain. And it's having vision to know that he's going to be faithful to his word. And I can see the harvest. Some of you right now, you're in a drought. You need to have vision for where you're going and what God is doing in your life. You might be in a drought season right now, but we need to have vision for the harvest. We need to have vision for the rains, to trust and have dependency. No, the Lord is the one who provides that. And it's a dependency. We can't do anything about the rain ourselves. It's truly something that we have to, a farmer has to rely on God for. In the same way, we have to be patient in our season that we're, we're dealing with. He says, you also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Again, the coming of the Lord is at hand. You need to know this, that when James is writing this letter, the people in this time, they believed and lived in such a way is where they believed that at any moment, Jesus could return. It's, it's called the imminent return of Christ. They were living with this anticipation. Jesus could come back tomorrow. The Lord could return the end of this week. He could return today. 
The Bible says that no man knows the day or the hour. So if you have a friend who claims they know, they don't, right? <laughs> we all have those YouTube friends, uh, the, you know, the bloggers. No man knows the day or the hour. You, you don't know when he could return, but it could happen at any moment. It could happen at any time. It's the imminent return of Christ. I have a question for you here today, though. If you knew that Jesus would return next Sunday this time, how would your life change today? You know, they, they lived with this anticipation, this expectation. And I think sometimes, sometimes I think that we, we, don't, we don't think about those things. A lot of times we're, we're kind of like, we're in the here and now, right? We're just trying to get our kids out the car so that we can get our oil changed and things like that. And sometimes we, we, don't, we, we just need to be reminded that, that Christ is coming again. That ultimately the suffering that we're dealing with today, Jesus is going to return and there will be no more pain, no more suffering, Amen. no more sickness. Amen. Amen. And there's encouragement in knowing that and just reminding ourselves the coming of the Lord. He goes on to say, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Again, it's like at the door, Right? And it's, it's interesting, he says, don't be grumbling against one another. You don't want to be grumbling with your brother when Jesus returns. You don't want to be grumbling. We don't want to be arguing. We don't want to have these, these conflicts and Jesus returns, right? He goes on to say, as an example of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He tells us, okay, you're going through suffering. You're going through a season of hardship. I want to remind you of the prophets who knew a little something about this. And he specifically calls out Job. How many of you know the story of Job? I mean, can you think of anyone who went through it? Job, he absolutely endured suffering. What happens to Job? He's, the Bible says he's a righteous man. He's a good man. And all at once, all of these things come on Job, come upon Job. All of these bad things, uh, all of his, his livestock is stolen. Some of the sheep are burned literally by fire. So he loses his livelihood. A windstorm blows in so strong, it knocks his house over and kills all of his children at one time. Job breaks out with these sores, these wounds all over his body and is in absolute agony in pain. The Bible literally says that they, they itched him so bad, apparently, that he was taking broken pottery and scraping his wounds. Just absolute suffering. And this is all happening all at one time. Just imagine the amount of suffering. But that's not how the story ends. Because the Lord restores double what Job lost. And that's why it goes on to say... We consider the prophets, the steadfastness of Job, and we learn how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Even in the middle of our suffering, even in the middle of our pain, you need to notice that God is still good. He's a good God. He's a compassionate God. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. He goes on to say, but above all my brothers, do not swear either by heaven 
or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be your yes and no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. So he kind of pivots a bit here. But what, is he, what is he talking about now? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Integrity. Integrity. He's saying, you know, don't be known for the person who has to go over the top to make people believe him. Don't, don't be like, look, I've got I've to I've swear, I've got to do all these things to make you really believe that I'm being serious right now. You know, I've seen a lot of people do, a lot of people do in life is they, they end up cussing a lot or cursing a lot in life to make people believe them or make people take them serious. Because if I don't use this kind of strong language with you, you're not going to trust me. He says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let it be yes, let your no be no. What often happens as well is what, what we can tend to do if we're not careful is we can overcommit ourselves to things that people ask of us. So if we're not careful, we can end up not, not doing things, not following through with some things because we overcommitted to begin with because we were too scared to say no in the first place. We don't want to hurt feelings. So because we don't want to hurt feelings, we say yes to everything. So can you go do this? Can you go do that? Yes, yes. Can you, can you go, you know, can we meet for coffee this day and this? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And then we end up not being able to follow through with our word because we overcommitted, overextended. And some of us today, we just need to be able to kind of take a deep breath and say, you know what, I'm, I'm allowed to say, no, actually, I can't do it right then and there. It's just not going to work for the situation I'm in. I think we're often, we're, we, we want to please people, right? So we say yes, we say yes, but just make sure that when we commit to it, we say yes, that we're committed to it. Amen? And that's what he's talking about. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. We, we, we don't, we don't want to fall under um, and be known for the person that's like, I can't take them seriously unless they're swearing, you know? And people take it to that level all the time. And James is just kind of reminding us, it shouldn't be that way. Like, let your word be your word. Yes, yes, I can. And we know that you're going to follow through. We know you're going to commit on that. We know that you're going to, you don't have to take it to those extremes. Amen? Amen. Amen. So he goes on verse 13 and he starts to talk about the prayer of faith. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you suffering? And there's people in here today. I know that with this crowd of people, there are people that are going through things here today. Some sort of suffering in life. We all go through seasons of life of suffering. And what does James tell us? He really practically tells us what we ought to do. When we're going through seasons of suffering. He says, we pray. We take it to the Lord. You know, it's such a simple thing, but how often can we forget to do such a simple thing? Just like pray. You know that the Bible says that we are to pray without ceasing? We're to, we're to pray without ceasing. So it's, it's the first time I read that, I'm like, what is, is my whole life just a continuous prayer? And I, I realized that it's like, it's, it's that you're in such close proximity to the Father that in your life, you're living a life of prayer. You're just communing with God in your life. It's just, he's involved in everything in your life. It's not like church on Sunday, my other life every other day of the week. It's like, no, God is, when God is invited in, to every part of your life. It's like, I get to commune with the Father all throughout the week. I can commune, commune with him in the middle of the night if I need to. If I'm waking up and I can't go to sleep or something's going on, I can go to my Father and he hears us. The Bible says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Isn't that incredible? He hears your prayers. Do you know how powerful our prayers can be? 
You talk to God. You, you need to know here today that your heavenly father wants to hear you. He wants to hear from you. Could you imagine having a relationship with your spouse and, and the only time y'all talked was when there was an issue? It's like, that's the only time, that's the only time we're going to have conversation. It's like, well, there's an issue, let's talk. And it's going to be a fight. It's going to be an aggressive one, right? Could you imagine having a relationship that way? No, that's, that's not what it's about. It's part of your life. It's inviting God to be a part of your every day. Some of us in here today, we just need to take that step and say, Lord, I want to invite you into my every day. And practically speaking, we have to set time aside to do that. How many of you are busy? You're, come on, everybody. We're busy, right? We're busy, we're busy. But in our busy lives, what if we just set aside a little time in the day to say, this is my time. I'm going to get in a quiet place and I'm just going to talk to the Lord. I'm just going to tell God what's on my mind. Is it in eloquence? Is it like, you know, have you seen people who like, you know, when they get in church, they start praying like they're interpreting the King James, you know? Yeah. Thou Father art in heaven, you know, saith. I mean, it's like, that's not how you talk. Why are you different? Just be you and go to God. Just be you and go to him. He wants to hear from his children. Our heavenly father wants to hear from you. And why wouldn't you? Because if you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Do you know how incredible that is? If you're going through a season of suffering, a season of pain, that your heavenly father hears your prayer. He hears your cries here this morning. Let him pray. Is anyone among you suffering? Some of us just need to say, you know what? I need to devote some time to just prayer. I just need to, I need to set aside time to speak to God. And how many of you know that when you communicate, it's two ways. That prayer is speaking to God, and then it's also being quiet and listening for the Lord to speak to you. Have you ever just felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit before? Like, this is, I don't want you to do that, or I want you to do this. You need to call that person. It's like, it's, it's not, it's not weird. It's nothing you can really explain. It's just, it's a nudge from the Holy Spirit. And we've got to create time. We've got to create space. That's why the Bible says that we're to go to a secluded place where you can set aside distractions. Some of you have kids and you're like, there's no secluded place. <laughs> the bathroom. Lock yourself in the bathroom. That might be your secluded place. But you've got to set aside time to just say, I need to talk to my father. I need to get in his presence. And I need to give some time for him to speak back to me, Right? goes on, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. You know, when we gather here in, in the mornings, we sing praise. We always start off church by singing some songs. You know, when we do that, it's so much more than just singing songs and, and just the music time, right? I, I can't say, I've been to so many churches before where I walk in and it's like, well, there's the band and it's a concert and cool, Okay. And now let's just sit back and let's all just kind of, you know, listen to the music. Oh, sounds good. Oh, man, state-of-the-art equipment, you know, awesome. But where's the worship? Where's the pressing in? Where's the, we're, we're not here for a concert, right? There's no such thing as just the band. The entire body is the band. We are all the band, okay? We gather here to worship the living God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You know, 
that, that when we sing praises to our God, that our praises go up. And I truly believe that if you're here today and you're like, I can't sing well, there's an auto-tune somewhere in between here and heaven. He changes it. Because by the time it gets up there, it's like incense, okay? <clears throat> we sing praises to our God. And, and as we sing praises, it's the most beautiful picture ever. As praises go up, our praise to God mixes with the praise of angels who sing nonstop, who worship him, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That it's so much more than just music. It's so much more than just coming in and saying, I like that song. That's a good, it's like, it doesn't matter if you like this song. This is about pressing in and worshiping the King. This is about pressing in and and acknowledging him and lifting him up. He, James tells us, any of you cheerful? You got something to be happy about? You bring that joy and praise and worship. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to pick on the men, but I'm going to say this today. It's hard. A lot of times in my experience when I'm in church, a lot of times it's harder for men to press in because it's a vulnerable thing when we're talking about worship. So a lot of times it's like... You know, it's like this. And, and here's what I would say is, there, there's nothing more beautiful, men, than when you gather in here this morning and you lift up your voice and you grab the hand of your wife and you hold it in the air and you say, we're going to worship God together. Amen? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You, you're, you're in the pre- you're kind of like, Satan, look at us because we are in the presence of God together right now. Right? And as, as we worship, I would just encourage you, to just remind yourselves, we come in here, we press in to worship Jesus. Those, those uh, thoughts of, I don't, I don't know how this is going to be perceived, I don't feel like it. When you push past all those things, it's worship. I'm not going through a great season, maybe that's the situation, I'm going through suffering, and you choose to worship anyway, choose to worship God through the season you're in. He says, let him praise. Anyone cheerful, let him sing praise. And then he says this, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And I'll just say this today, church, is that we, our church, need to be praying with one another, anointing with oil. Um, You say, why do we anoint with oil? It's instructed us to anoint oil. It's nothing special about the oil. It's not like you got to buy this oil that's, you know, there's something in the oil necessarily, but it's, what does the oil represent? It represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is the one with the power. The Holy Spirit, see, it's not our power. When we lay on with hands, people are like, well, why am I supposed to lay hands? Because God commands us to do that. He tells us to do that. There's nothing special about laying hands. It's that we're doing, we're taking a step of faith and doing what the Lord calls us to do. And then the supernatural power of God shows up in that moment. And so we are not called to do anything supernatural through prayer. Let me just take a deep breath here today. You are not called to do anything supernatural within your own power. It is the power of the Holy Spirit at work. And so when the Bible says we anoint with oil and we lay on hands, it's us being obedient to do the natural thing, the thing that the Lord asks us to do so that he shows up and does the supernatural. This is how God works in our life. And so I would encourage you again today, right, through prayer, right, if anyone among you are sick, 
What are we commanded to do? Anoint with oil. He says, let the elders of the church anoint with oil. We're actually going to do that here in just a moment. At the end of service, we're going to sing a song. We're going to have a time of prayer. And if any of you need prayer today, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith to walk down and to allow just, you know, hands to be laid, uh, prayer to be prayed over your life, that the Lord would meet whatever it is that you're going through, uh, that you would take that step and that act of faith today and, and seek that prayer. Let him call for the elders, elders of the church. And it says, what is it going to say? It will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. It's a faith-filled prayer. It's a prayer that's like, no, I believe God can do this. It's that kind of prayer. It's not a prayer that's like timid, like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's no, I, I, I trust in my father. I trust that he knows what's best for me. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. He goes on to say, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Amen. If we're not praying, you know, what are we doing? Right? This is the, the, the theme that we see here as James is closing, and we're getting close to closing here today. As we close out this letter, he's reminding them of prayer, faith-filled prayers. Don't grow weary in the prayers, but we press in and we continue to pray. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You. you believe that? Your prayers have power. I love what he says next. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. I love Elijah. I love Elijah. But he says he was a man with a nature just like us. Meaning this, there was nothing super special that just gave him that extra to pray. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And look what God does through Elijah. Some of us, we, you, maybe you feel like, why? Well, you know, God's not going to hear me. You need to completely get that out of your mind. Get that out of your thoughts. That is not from the Lord. That's from the enemy. No, God does hear your prayers. He listens. The prayer of a righteous person has great powers of working. Elijah was a man with nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it didn't rain on the earth. Could you imagine that? Some of you are like, yeah, I can imagine that. It's kind of what's been going on. It's kind of what's been going on around here. <clears throat> then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Wow. He closes with this. And again, I started by saying, how would, you know, just think about it. Like, how would you close out a letter? This is what James, this is how he closes the letter. He says this, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. What does that mean? That means that we are looking out for our fellow brother and sister in Christ. If anyone is wandering, who, who is it, right? You got to ask yourself that question in life. Do you know anybody who's just kind of wandered from the truth? Because what, what he's reminding us here is that we shouldn't just kind of go, well, you know, it is what it is. Like we should take steps to say, you know, to go reach those people and to bring them back in. And what is he, what is he going to say? He will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Amen. That we're not to just kind of go, you know, this is our clique at church, right? This is our, this is our church, and we, you know, we're kind of just all about this. No, we're to go out, the body of Christ. And if there, there are those who are out there that have wandered from the truth, that have wandered from the ways of the Lord, that we're to bring them back in. We're to not just 
let them go and just kind of rid our hands of them. And well, sorry for you. All right, what's, what's going on this week? What events do we got coming up next at church? Right? Thunder. Yeah, thunder, exactly. <laughs> what, <laughs> what kind of events do we have coming up next week at church? Right? It's, not, it's not that, right? It's, it's so much more than that. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. This is community. This is what we do of church events, all these sorts of things. That's all great. But let's not lose sight of the ones who have slipped through the cracks or have tried to wander. We should, we should, we should witness. We should go back. We should, hey, what's going on, right? You know, if you want to talk, some people are like, no, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, just know I'm here. I just know I'm here. I, I, want, to, I want to talk. I'm here to talk if, if you want to talk. The overall theme, the overall message that we get again in James 5 is, this is this message, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is drawing near. And in your suffering that we will go through, and we all will go through suffering, and James is reminding these people, let me just tell you, James is writing this letter and in chapter 5. He knew what suffering was. They knew what persecution was. They knew what real persecution, real suffering looked like. James is a man who, remember, he's the half-brother of Jesus, right? Originally, James didn't believe in his brother. I mean, could you imagine if your brother told you I'm the son of God? James was like, no, no way. His whole family didn't believe. And it was after Jesus' resurrection that James goes, he is the son of God. After he saw his body physically standing in front of him, after he had watched his brother crucified on the cross, he says, James, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens to James? He is taken to the top of a synagogue and he's thrown off. And he doesn't die. He falls and an angry mob of people come over James and beat him to death. And he loses his life. He lays his life down as a martyr for what he believes. His brother, Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? He knew what suffering was. They, they knew what suffering was. So please, when you hear this today, you're talking about patience and suffering. I'll just tell you, there's some people in here today, you are going through suffering. And I'm, first off, let me just tell you, I'm sorry you are going through whatever you're going through, whatever suffering it is, whatever you are dealing with in life right now, what, whatever the pain is, whatever the season is, I want you to know that you're not alone. You're not alone. The Lord is compassionate. He's merciful. He's loving and he's gracious. And one day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day he'll return. One day all the suffering will be gone. All the pain will be gone. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for your message, your, your word, Father. I thank you that it's gone out today, Father. I pray it went out on good ground here this morning. As we get ready to just invite a time of prayer here this morning, Lord, I just ask that your spirit would just remain here, that people would take a step of faith out here this morning, take a step of faith knowing that you're a good God who hears us. And so God, we're going to act on that here this morning in faith by taking a step forward. If there's anybody in here sick today, you need prayer for that sickness. If there's anybody you need healing today, Now's the time to say, I'm going to take that step. I want oil anointed on my head. I, 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 want, I want this prayer to go out on my life. I want to receive that here this morning. 
Maybe you're here today and you're just dealing with stuff in life. You're dealing with challenges, maybe a difficult situation. Whatever it may be, take the step today to walk down and say, I, I want to seek prayer. Maybe you're here today and you need to accept Jesus in your life. You've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've backslidden and you've fallen away and you're like, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. There's no more important decision you could ever make than right here and right now today to take that step. So we got Pastor Arthur over here on the right. We're going to have Pastor Brent up here as well. We're going to sing a song here in just a moment. And some of you, maybe you just need to stay where you're at. You need to pray. Some of you, you need to walk down. You need to take that step here this morning and say, I'm seeking you, Lord, right here and right now.